0: Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Beau Salls. I'm gonna start a three-part series where we're gonna utilize Kinetisense and CAMs, different screenings, and we're gonna go by the joint-by-joint approach. We're gonna talk about fascial trains and fascial systems on the second episode. And on the third episode, we're gonna combine everything and talk about advanced rehab and how we can implement kettlebells and barbells to help people strengthen and also find specific movements that are showing up in their screening process. So this is going to be a solo series, which is not common for me, but this is something that I think will be very important just utilizing the knowledge that I've learned working with so many patients, athletes, and different demographics. When we advance to the barbell and kettlebell, that's not something I just use for athletes. That's something we try to get all of our patients on. And the hard part is people are scared of barbell and they're scared of kettlebell. So we're going to talk about using the system to pass that fear as well. Today, let's start with the joint-by-joint approach. So with the joint-by-joint approach, we know that the foot and the foot itself and the joints within the ball of the foot and throughout the entire foot, we need stability. Moving up from there, if if that's the area of stability, we know now that the ankle needs mobility. Continuing up, we all know the knee needs stability, just working with athletes and different people, how much the knee moves around. And then we move into the hip. The hip needs more mobility. Well, that we need to know about tight hip flexors, so as different areas that can lock down the hip. Lumbar spine, we know we need more lumbar stability. That can come into anybody that's a desk worker, seated, lifters, anything. Then thoracic spine, we no mobility. A lot of chiropractors, that's a primary adjustment that they use. When we get to the cervical spine, we talk about stability. Now, the cervical spine is a little different than your other areas because you actually have areas that need stability and mobility, but I'll talk about that as well because we're gonna break down each of these areas today. Now, the scapulothoracic thoracic joint, that's a stability area, so where the scapula moves along the rib cage to the thoracic spine, you wanna add more stability there normally. Um, the shoulder joint is mobility, elbow needs stability, wrist needs mobility, and the hand needs stability. So you can see as we go through these different joint complexes that it's one area will need stability and the next one needs to be more mobile. So if we talk about how the cervical spine, the thoracic spine, and the lumbar spine work together, if your cervical spine is moving a lot and has excess motion for that's not normal that you need to stabilize, you normally will have some thoracic mobility issues. And I'm going to talk about a patient that has this. Um, The thoracic mobility issues will cause the lumbar spine to move even more. So now you have a lumbar that's already prone to stability issues and it's moving in excess due to the thoracic spine. So what we want to do is we want to highlight what the greatest dysfunction is, but also attack and treat all areas together. Now the patient I wanted to talk about is a disc golfer this disc golfer came in and I took them through a cam screen and I put them on our functional movement analysis, which the functional screen is just any motion that you want to assess. So I had him go through his normal throw that he would do on the course. What he showed me is that he does a very good job stabilizing his neck, but his primary pain, he's a right-handed thrower, was left-sided scalene pain and scaling strain and that's because whenever he was moving and he's going through his throw his cervical spine is a little bit hypermobile and i mean the mid to the mid cervical spine area not the upper and not the ct junction which i'll talk about um, it was a little hypermobile, so what muscles is he going to incorporate as he highly, and at extreme speed, rotates his body to the right? He's using his left scalenes to neutralize his head and keep it in a good neutral position. As a golfer would do through their swing, they try to keep a good head position, so does the disc golfer. So what we saw is that after I did cams on him, he had a hypo, meaning lack of, mobile, upper cervical spine in the occiput area. He had a hypermobile cervical spine, and his thoracic spine was hypo, lack of motion again, and mobility in the thoracic area. So what he's doing is he's trying to lock down the areas to protect him during his throws, but it's creating dysfunction. He also had different things that he's doing during workouts, which I had to correct, because I know it's adding in. You always want to look for different areas of life that are affecting their symptoms, because normally, it's not just the one thing that they do that they're talking about once I kind of talked about how he worked out, I found out that this guy was doing back squats off of a desk chair in his room in his apartment. And I mean he put a barbell with like 125 pounds total, and he was getting underneath, like sliding under the bar as it sat on the arms of a regular desk chair, and then trying to pull it back and stand up. Imagine the hypermobility that's creating in the cervical spine and the lack of motion, uh, motion he has in his thoracic so it was good to compare these different screens because i was able to show him his dysfunction just in his uh regular throw or for golf uh, disc golf but i was also able to show him on the cams readout the top six dysfunctions that highlighted which i already had a good idea would highlight now this is someone that has neck pain and normally in chiropractic we're going to take their neck and adjust it but if an area is hypermobile, meaning it has too much motion What does a cervical spine adjustment do? It's going to add more motion. So this is why the analysis and really taking your patient through different ranges of motions and different screens is important. Kinetesense allows us to have an objective analysis so we can track progression and regression. But it's nice to, again, show that hypermobility to him because he wanted to get his neck adjusted. Now that doesn't mean I didn't adjust anywhere in his neck because when you analyze the CT junction, the cervicothoracic junction, where your cervical spine meets the upper thoracic spine, that area had lack of motion, which is a common thing. But I'm going to go ahead and associate that lack of motion to how he's picking up that barbell off of his office chair in his room. Now, he had to lift his head and take his head into complete extension while he was rounding his shoulders forward to slide underneath the barbell. And this was really loading his CT junction. So he had a lack of motion in the CT area, but his, which created even more movement in his cervical spine. Imagine if I took his neck and gave him a rotary adjustment or even just a lateral set, what would happen to the nerves and everything with the excess motion during my adjustment. I'm not a, I don't use a lot of force, but even at a high velocity, whatever you're looking at, that's going to gonna hit him because it's moving too much already. So what we did um, was begin to work on his thoracic area. We use the Intella rollers at our clinic, the Kinetic Center, and the Intella roller is shaped to the human body, so it allows the spinous process to fall through the middle while it presses up along the erector spinae. This allows him good motion. So what I'm teaching, or what I wanted, I put him on the foam roller to teach him how to roll his back, but then I taught him the thoracic mobility stretching, and as he tried to drop in a regular thoracic mobility stretch, his back was almost stiff as a board. And this is a young guy. He's got to be, he was 25 years old, and he could not put his hips toward the floor at all. As he tried to, his head immediately lifted off the floor and went into complete extension, trying to keep his back of his head, or his EOP, on the ground. Now, There's an issue there already which we, again, the lack of motion in his thoracic spine is increasing the lack of stability in his neck. So we have him working on both. I have him stabilizing his neck which actually is making his scalenes calm down with some proper postural chin tucks. But as I mobilize his thoracic spine, he just did that and said his neck felt better. Of course, I pair in myofascial work so I was treating him through the soft tissues as well as adjusting necessary areas but just being able to highlight these different issues on this patient, it was quick to see that. if he could, That's why he told me, as soon as he threw the first throw in disc golf, all of his pain shot up through the roof. So um, and it's important to use different analysis and correlate the system. Now saying that, your top six dysfunctions don't mean that's the only way, way you treat. This just happened to hit perfectly on this guy and what was going on. Another example I have for you is a patient that I have who is a desk worker, but likes to play basketball with his kids, get out, move around. Um, And he's experiencing some left-sided low back pain around the QL and multifidus region. So it was going a little lateral, but also pretty close to the spine. So he came to me with some pain. And as I took him through a gait analysis, I was able to see a hip shift. His gluteus medius on one side was not stabilizing well, causing a lot of shifting of the pelvis. So of course we went after that. Now for me, when I analyze a low back, I always want to, I look at how Dr. Bodner from Parker University does it, where he talks about if in an area it's either joint, neuromuscular, or neuro, or muscular and soft tissue, you have to look at the three different areas to assess. Well, with this guy, it was multiple, and he had some pain in the area, and his lumbar spine was not in the proper curvature. So I know he's not stable in the lumbar spine, so that's an area I wanted to attack for him. We know that he, with the gait analysis, his hip is shifting a lot, so I wanted to go after some stability on the hip. Now, what I did not do well with this patient is that whenever he showed me this uh, hip shift, I went after it with rehab almost immediately. I went in, I did taught him some soft tissue mobilization, I taught him some stretching that was good, but then I got him on some uh, hip lateral hip stabilizers and then I got him on some spinal stability work as well. Well, after, after two visits, he was feeling okay and a little better. His symptoms were down, but not completely gone. And then the third visit, everything shot up. His pain went up to a six out of 10 or seven out of 10. Uh, he was in a lot of pain, hard to walk. It was a really tough time for him. Um, and when he came in, I reassessed him. And what happened was he was so unstable in his hip that when he tried to do his lateral hip stabilizers, he was shifting his spine even more, causing the QL and the multifidus to spasm even farther than they had before, and they were already strained. So a spasm on top of a strain is very painful. So he was experiencing these different issues, and what I had to do was regress his rehab. I took him completely off stability work. We took him off, and we, I went into rotary mobility. I went into different types of mobility work for him to attack that multifidus and QL region, and after about three or four days of that mobility work, he said after treatment he was in a good amount of pain, but it started to heal up, he went through our normal process, he did the rehab, and he dropped all the way down to a one out of 10. So we had him under control with his symptoms, but his functionality still wasn't there. I took him on another gait analysis. The gait analysis then showed that he still had his instability in his hips, but seeing how his body reacted, to the hip stability work that we were doing, I only added the spinal stability work in next. Knowing that he had some issues there with some black flexion extension and lateral flexion ranges of motion testing on Kinetosense, I saw that he still had some lack of range of motion. And I believe that's due to the stability as the brain was incorporating areas to keep the spine safe. So I had him go after that, and he didn't have any jump in pain. If anything, he dropped down even farther, 0.5 to 1 area. Sometimes sitting too long still causes a little more. But he was gaining control of his system. So we're at a point now where he's almost in no pain. He's able to sit for four hours with no pain. He no longer has pain getting out of a car after driving, and he's able to play basketball with his kids without any flare-ups. So I'm going to start looking, I'm going to do a reanalysis of him and reassess him and make sure that he has the stability in the areas he needs and then we're going to add low level hip work on him. And this patient is a perfect example of why you can't just attack people with stability work and it's not like I went really heavy on him, it was just too much for his situation. Using the system I was able to highlight different things and highlight different areas to focus on But that was a big key for me whenever I saw him flare up. I knew I knew how to drop the stability work and jump strictly into mobility work. And this takes me into another patient I have, a CrossFitter. And again, it's a low back. He's a master's athlete and he's been doing CrossFit for 15 years. He told me that he has no uh, stability issues. He is stronger than anything. And you know the mindset of someone that competes and is at that level. Well, his issue was that his lumbar spine may have been in quotes stable but it had stabilized in quotes again to the wrong position meaning that he was getting a he was in, the spine was not neutral and in a proper position it was slightly in an extension and his he had a pain level of 2 to 3 constantly for years myofascial work helped him feel a little better but it would start to come back so the uh, and adjustments made him feel a little better and it would start to come back My point is that when I talked to him, I used the wrong verbiage. So I told him, you actually do have instability in that spine, you've just locked it down over time in the wrong position. And that instability that you originally had is what created this. And as soon as he heard instability, he knew I was wrong. So the power of the system allowed me to show him where I was talking about. And he he immediately said, whoa, I didn't realize that. And then after getting some work in and really spending time on repositioning the spine, he was not a a one-week fix either for me. He was someone that took a lot of time and it took a lot of effort and mental battles as well as getting him to actually do his rehab. He would just go grab a barbell. And if you watch this man lift, you see a completely rounded spine. You see that turtle shell deadlift, which you know is lumbar flexion. You know it's not hitting right, but he's trying to get out of that extension that is hurting him so much. Well, it's going to cause him more issues later, and it caused him, again, a lot of thoracic mobility issues. Last part I really want to talk about is let's go down to the ankles. If you listen to the podcast I did with Dr. Aaron Herzog from Squat University, we talk about he, we talk about the overhead squat, and I'm pretty sure I asked him about seven or eight different areas that we measure on Kinetosense during the overhead squat, and every single time I said that, his anchor was, uh, answer was ankle mobility. Ankle mobility. I'm a guy that broke my ankles a bunch during basketball. And I mean broke, not sprained. I have fractured, broken, spiral fractures, chip bones. Now my ankles are calcified. They are, have degenerative joint disease that I got diagnosed at 26. Like I understand ankle mobility being an issue. But if this man didn't tell me ankle mobility caused everything. <laughs> so... Um, I want to talk about that anterior hip pain with a squat. Well, if you look at someone with an anterior hip pain, what's going on a lot of times is that ankle and that is lacking motion. The great toe is lacking a lot of stability. So they're not really good at gripping with their big toes, at least in a splayed position. They usually get that kind of curved in great toe that you can see. And what happens is you start to see their knee go valgus a little bit more. Um, In cams, you have 12 movements, but each of those movements are also broken down. So each of those movements are taking tons of data points that you can look at specifically. So I took an anterior hip pain uh, overhead squatter and took her through some motion. And we talked about how this issue was showing up. There's some pretty cool rehab you can do. Um, Dr. Hershaw really likes one that I like too, where you have a TheraBand and you have them grip with their big toe, leaving a good tripod position, but a good big toe grip with a TheraBand and then pulling it out across the body and having them externally rotate their knee while keeping that tripod position in the foot. A lot of times people can't do this and the band will just fly out. Well, that's learning how to control foot stability with the proper knee motion into the various power position, which is a lot of external rotation. You know that a lot of lifters screw their feet into the ground. Well, this can teach how to do it properly. So if you pair proper ankle mobility with big toe stability, as well as teaching external rotation of the hip, this is how you can get someone to get out of anterior hip pain and get them lifting a lot of weight again. So in this athlete in particular. What we did is we highlighted an SI joint mobility issue on cams. We highlighted an ankle mobility issue that showed up. And of course, there was a knee stability issue. So a lot of single leg work. We went into the great toe strengthening and and then we went into some lateral hip and some hinge motions. This combination really helped them strengthen the whole pathway and get out of it. But if we talk about this again, lack of ankle mobility will cause lack of foot stability. So they're struggling because their ankle's not mobile. So unless you add ankle mobility into the area with adjustments and rehab, it's really going to be hard for them to get that foot stability anyway. Which again, now let's go up the chain. That knee is going to be more unstable if you have that ankle joint not moving, it's going to try to compensate with range of motion. A lot of times, you're going to have that foot collapsing and pronating, while the knee is going to follow and valgus collapse which is going to cause internal rotation of the femur, and there's your anterior hip pain. You can look at the muscles that are involved, you can correlate it to the muscle there too, and hit some soft tissue work, but if you're focusing on where that pain spot is, you're not going to get that person out of pain, and you're not going to get them lifting better. So combining from the foot to the ankle, to the knee, to the hip, of course to the lumbar spine too, because if that lumbar spine's unstable, well, what's going on with the hip, right? So you've got to look at the full chain. And this is why if you ever look at a hip or a knee, you have to look above and below it. A lot of docs will preach that, but that's because so many people get so stuck on that pain. And then I think the last one I want to talk about is plantar fasciitis. I have multiple patients that have plantar, well, had plantar fasciitis, and they have seen 10 to 20 different doctors, seen them for five to 10 years, all the types of injections, myofascial work, everything you can imagine and they just have their feet beat up, but they cannot get out of pain. So taking them through a gait analysis in the cams, I can think of one lady in particular who was in a pain level of seven and she had been treated by so many different doctors. On the gait analysis in cams, her gait showed an unstable opposite hip. So if that hip is shifting out and as she pushes off into hip extension with that glute on the left, imagine that it's falling, causing her to work harder on her right foot and her foot has to grip. So her foot begins to grip and grip and grip to try to control her body weight that's shifting way above it. The way, now that all that body shift above you can see on Kinetosense because you, it can look at the body as a unit from head to toe. So it's going to measure everything versus the human eye which has to focus on one joint or one area. So now as the body shift, the foot begins to work harder and work harder. Well of course the plantar fasciitis isn't getting better with rehab and soft tissue work and beating up that foot. We have to look up the chain. So as we began to stabilize her hips and work on her hips at the same time with her foot, she's had a pain level of seven for years. Now she drops her pain level all the way down to a two after four visits, and then she's out of pain within a couple of months completely. Now, we had to talk about life. Again, you never correlate one thing to an injury, but as we worked her out of that, we were able to highlight different issues, and different things that were loading her foot and causing her foot more pain, more inflammation, and to be an overuse injury. A lot of times plantar fasciitis is the overuse injury of the flexors of the foot. And people don't, well, they know that, but they don't know why it's happening. Being able to objectively analyze people and go through different processes helps that. Now of course at Kinetic Center we're well trained on doing these different options. But I always like to share information on here. Just so that people that use the system and people that don't can maybe try to look at the body a different way, stop beating up so many feet, and maybe help some people out and get get to change their life a little bit. These are people that wanna move and wanna move without pain, no matter what their exercise routine is. But that's whenever, on episode three, we're gonna get into taking them into an exercise routine and teaching them to get under kettlebells and barbells because the body can't gain strength without excess load. Now, my next point here is Um, whenever you add excess load to the body, the body is now stronger than itself. If it's stronger than itself, you're going to be able to have less pain as you move. That's a problem with runners. That's a problem with desk workers. That's a problem with a lot of different athletes, but we can teach that and we can teach that through analysis and through objective numbers and system. So if you can show people numerically how they're improving, they don't have to rely on a doctor or try to believe a doctor that's trying to keep a patient or make a sale and no longer becomes a sale, they actually see how they improve. And if they can see how they improve, they know why they're doing it and what they're doing with you. All right, that's it for joint by joint. So next time we're gonna talk about the fascial system, fascial planes, how the body connects from the head to the feet, ankle sprains causing migraines, uh, how the body, uh, human body moves like a shark. We're gonna go into some different things and how connexance can apply to that. I am excited about the last episode, as you can tell with the barbell and the kettlebell, because we try to take all of our patients I'm going to talk to you how I had a lady who was in a car accident, major car accident, spinal injuries. She had her fusions and big spinal surgeries all the way through. And she's still in a pain level of six, two years after that. And she couldn't do anything. I told her day one that she would be under a barbell and she was terrified. And said, there's no way I'll ever do that. Well, she was under a barbell doing front squats for the first time and she cried in the office. So this is the stuff that we do every day. And this is the stuff that everybody, every practitioner can do. You just have to know what you're doing and why you're doing it, and it really helps to have objective analysis to take your own self out of the analysis process because when you're subjective, you're gonna look at the same things in everyone. You need to find out what is going on in each individual person. I'm Dr. Bo, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together.